Um, and it changed my life because it points to a way of being instead of telling me how to be mm-hmm. or telling me what to do or how I should think or where I should, how, you know, it's more like, hey, you're a part of this river, the river's flowing and you can either push the river, which we don't suggest, or you could flow with the river and understand the interdependent nature of all things and how the objective nature of reality actually works. And then you can define how you want to have a relationship with it. Hey everyone, it's Raghu back with Mind Rolling. My co-host in the back there, Maya, is uh, decided to take a nap. I don't know what to do about that because she's always with me. And I am happy to welcome David Block to the show. David, nice to have you here. Yeah, good to have. Yeah, well, it's good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, yeah going to have myself here. Going to have myself. <laughs> You'll, we'll Good check idea. that out as we go through <laughs> the show to see how how much you've connected there. Um, yeah. David uh, was a man of many talents, but uh, you all may know of him uh, through his band Gone Gone Beyond and the Human Experience. And we got a lot to talk about, but I just want to say, I don't know where you got the name for the band. But one of my favorite mantras in, uh, from Tibetan Buddhism is Gate, Gate, Paragate, Parasamgate, Bodhiswaha. Is that where you got it? That means gone, gone beyond. <clears throat> That's exactly where it came from. Oh, yeah? Oh, cool. Yeah. I, um, you know, when that band, uh, when we started that band, we were trying to find the right, like a, a name that was like befitting. And I had, was just going to India at that time. And we had gone tried a bunch of different things. And I was chanting the Prajnaparamita and, and just reading it. And I remember it being like, gone, gone beyond. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I was like, oh. And then I, when I, when I told it to my, to Danny, my bandmate, I was like, you know, one of the things I love about this is I'm a big fan of like chocolate covered broccoli, you know, like you, chocolate covered broccoli. You try, you, you want someone to eat the broccoli, but you're like, eat this oh, broccoli. And, yeah, yeah. and you're like, they're like, no, I hate broccoli. And you're like, well, eat this chocolate covered broccoli. And they're like, ooh, I like chocolate. And I thought, I was like, oh, this will be kind of like my chocolate covered broccoli. Like every time someone's like, I love Gone Gone Beyond. I love Gone Gone Beyond. I love Gone Gone Beyond. Then I'm like, they just say, and I have so many people that are like, Gone Gone Beyond. And I'm like, yeah, just keep, keep saying it. Keep yeah. over. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's really so it's great. Been, it's, and it's funny because some people who are, who are familiar with the, you know, the Heart Sutra and like, they're like, like, wait, is that what it's from? Is that what it's from? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's so great. So uh, we met up, David and I, and David and Love Serve Remember, uh, because a couple of years ago we've been doing, we started, well, actually it started right in the pandemic. So it's now, boy, time flies. That's all I got to say. But it's a few years ago. We started the Soul and Music series and that's how we met David. And uh, he participated in it. He's close to many of the artists that uh, that are on the series. And uh, now we have this project that I'm so happy that you did what you did, David, which is so we have uh, in and maybe you don't know some of this backstory, which I will tell you in the audience in 1970. Two, when Watergate was happening, Ramdas and I and Ramesh, who wrote with Ramdas, being Ramdas, the memoir, Parvati Marcus, mother of my sons, and a couple of other people, were in an apartment in New York City when, right when this was happening. When you know, every day they televise these incredible uh, sessions in Congress around you know getting Nixon. 
kind of what's happening to Trump now. But yeah. uh, um, actually, Nixon seems like a saint compared to, <laughs> you know, what the alleged uh, crimes that he's uh, performed. Uh, that's a whole other something that, um, but Never podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. That we're not going to get into, but, uh, so that's what we were doing. And we were sitting there, Ramdas had recorded a bunch. There's a station called, I think it's still there. WBAI in New York. I don't know if you're Maybe. familiar. Yeah. And so they had talk shows and all kinds of different music, but it was really, really great. I, again, I'm not even sure if it's still there or not. I think it might be. Anyhow. Ramdas went on to the station and they just invited people to call him up, you know, ask, ask Ramdas a question or talk to him about something. So there was this, it went, I was on for a few days and it was just incredible the kinds of responses that were elicited from him mm. via these people. And, you know, this is, he had just come, we had just come back from India, actually. We came back in the middle of 1972. We'd been there since 70. And um, so we thought, wow, this would be cool. So we thought of a, a six LP vinyl set with, with a beautiful insert in a beautiful box. Wouldn't that be a great thing to do? So we started to do it, collecting all this material. One of Ramdas's most favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things, which is a whole very meaningful song for me. Uh, was the third patriarch and uh, the great way. And it is so very special. And so what everybody out there, David, put music behind this piece. And it's, uh, you could say the same as what you were just saying, David, about some chocolate on the broccoli there. Right? <laughs> it's what it's Krishnas calls yeah, the music is the covers up the mantric medicine, you know, so people don't think too much about is this real, is this not, what does a mantra mean, but, you know, you're just kind of riding on those waves, you know, which is the same intent here, I believe, that mm -hmm. you had. So this is part of a anniversary set, love, serve, remembered, reimagined, that David and a couple of other the other guys, that John Pattern and um, who else is on this? Amani and yeah, yeah, Amani and hey, Raghu, uh, is the Love Serve Remember box set this the box set from the Uncle Henry story? Uh, Do you know the Uncle Henry story? Yeah, I'm of course about? I know it well. Yeah, yeah. Is that, uh, that's the one that he was talking, because that, that story is a really meaningful story for me. And every oh, really? time, I'm, oh my God, every time I'm doing business or anything with anyone. Oh, for God's sake. It, it pops into my head and I'm like, Uncle Henry. I'm like, oh God. Uh, <laughs> that's so really far out because, do you know who Duncan Trussell is? Yeah. The podcaster. So yeah. he and I are good friends. We've been working on, a, on an audio book for like five years around the, pre <laughs> the premise is the, the movie of me to the movie of we. So we used ourselves as examples of all the crazy neurotic bullshit and <laughs> habitual patterns, that, the identity stuff, you know, and how we act out during the day, like most of us, centered around, you know, the lead character is us 24-7, is me, mm -hmm. me, me. Anyhow, it just came out. It's By the way, if anybody wants to take a look, that's movieofme.com. Just... It's got some really fun stuff. Duncan is really funny, and well, we have a bunch of things in there that are, uh, I think, interesting, especially during these polarized times. And uh, one of them, one of the chapters was called Uncle Henry because I brought it up to Duncan and uh, everybody. The, simply the story is Ramdas. We created this box set, Love, Serve, Remember, which was the only... Uh, the only thing rational, well, that's not totally true, but Maharaji did, Neem Karoli Bab did, Baba did say to us, love everyone, serve everyone, and remember the divine, period. So this is our instruction. So that's what we named this thing, which became this uh, endeavor that we've been on since Ramdas moved to Maui in, in 2004-05, uh, and it turned out to be that's the name of the foundation. It's the umbrella for everything we do. So 
this uh, Uncle Henry, so Ramdas, he made it like $3.33 for what? Six vinyl albums, a big box, and, in, and a really beautiful insert. So his father said, wow, that seems cheap. And Ramdas said, well, you know, tell me something. You, you know, I know you did legal work, his father was a lawyer, uh, for Uncle Henry. You know, what did you charge him? He said, what do you mean, what did I charge him? He's family. I didn't charge him nothing. Ramdas said, Every, the famous line, everyone is my family. And that's what you think about all the time. I think about it all the time, too, because of the transactional nature of us being in the world. And uh, maybe not quite as enlightened as Ramdas did get. And I don't mean enlightenment. In the, I mean just woke. He woke yeah. up to the reality we are interconnected and so on. And, you know, this is, uh, this is the guide star that we have, which is pretty great. So that was the story around Uncle Henry and uh, and you doing this particular. This, okay, tell me what attracted you to this third patriarch great way. Well, um, you know when Ram Dass passed away, um, I had you know I had a relationship with him when he was alive. I you know met him several times in Maui and you know got to go to some talks and you got to go over to the house and Vishnu Das, I, I was living with Vishnu Das in, in Maui for like Oh, six, really? Oh, I years. didn't know that. You never know. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, Pre-Vishnu Das when he was Ubi. Uh, <laughs> and so I had this relationship with Ram Das, but it was at a distance and as a, you know, a spiritual seeker myself and being Jewish, I had, I just had a, just a, a, like a kinship with him, like his humor really touched me. Um, and his, the way that he would explore insights and his spiritual seeking, that's just felt very brotherly to me. Mm. Um, but I didn't have that much of a relationship with him. And then he died. And shortly before he died, I had watched, I had gone to a film screaming, screening. I, I can't remember what, what film it was, but I just was like, Oh my, I'm like, wow, I just never heard, I never saw old videos of him. I knew him when Becoming he was Becoming nobody, that was it. That one, Becoming yeah. Nobody. Yeah. And I, I had met him post-stroke and most of the things I had listened to of his were post-stroke and I just didn't have- Were pre-stroke, no? Pre-stroke. Post. Post, really? Post, because, because I met- Less I of met post him. than pre well, yeah, because I met him in 2009. Mm -hmm. And and my introduction to his work was mostly through the book, was through Be Here Now. So my mm -hmm. relationship to him was less about like videos, texts, mm -hmm. recordings. My relationship was an older man that I had met of, of few but very punctuated words and a book. That was my relationship to him. I didn't really watch a lot of videos. Mm. In fact, I I remember at the time when I watched Becoming Nobody, I had the distinct memory of I actually don't think I've heard him as a younger man speak. Mm. Wow. And and when I did, I was like, I want to listen to everything he ever mm. recorded when uh, at at the earlier parts of his life. Mm. So I went down a crazy rabbit hole and then shortly after that he had died. And, but in that period, I, I had listened to this uh, talk that he had given speaking about the, the Maharishi and, you know, when he was- Maharaji, passing, you mean? Not Maharishi. Mahari, I think of Maharishi when he was passing away. Beatles, the Beatles the be yeah. guru. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ramana Maharishi. Oh, Ramana Maharshi. Okay. Yeah. Big difference yeah. to the Beatles. Difference. Yeah. Yeah. So when Ramana Maharishi was passing away, um, you know, his followers were like, heal yourself. Like, and he was like, I'm, where do you think I'm going? Like, I'm just dropping my body. Like, and kind of like, you're welcome because I'm actually going to be even more accessible to you now if you can mm -hmm. find the pathway to me. And, and I just, that was very interesting thought for me when he died, <clears throat> I had this like distinct experience of being like, I feel like I have, you're in my head now. Like mm. I, mm. I just, and in my heart, like I just had this different relationship with him. And shortly after that, I had just, was listening to a talk and he had mentioned this, the great way that text. And I was like, Oh, what's that? And then in that, in that 
recording, it was said, you know, he's like, actually, I did a reading of it. So if you want to listen to it, check it out. And I was like, oh, see if I can find that on the internet. So I hunted it down and it's not something that has like crazy amounts of listens to on, on the internet. And it is a deep esoteric text, um, which for me was great because I had been studying Taoism and Buddhism mm. for many years and yeah. I, I hadn't heard of it. And the, my, the most resonant text for me has always been the Tao Te Ching. Mm-hmm. and a translation by Stephen Mitchell in particular, yeah. um, which I really like that translation because it's ancient texts and you're trying to make it modern and you're like, what the fuck are straw dogs? I don't know what those are. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So anyway, I found a translation that changed my life. And wow, um, and it changed my life because it points to a way of being instead of telling me how to be. Mm. Or telling me what to do or how I should think or where I should, how, you know, it's more like, hey, you're a part of this river, the river's flowing and you can either push the river, which we don't suggest, or you could flow with the river and understand the interdependent nature of all things and how the objective nature of reality actually works. And then you can define how you want to have a relationship with it. Um, but first, like, here's the framework of what's actually happening. And, and that, so I found that through Taoism. And then when I heard Ram Dass reciting this text, which is like, literally like actually written out like two pages long, it's not like a long thing. It's like, (laughs) it's, Mm. it's pretty short. I was like, well, that's the most beautiful slash impossible thing I've ever heard in my life. Like the great way is neither easy nor difficult. Uh, you know, just to understanding the interdependent nature of subject object of, of, and of a way of being of not grasping to even the idea that all dualities come from a one, one essence to don't be attached even to this one. Um, you know, like all the things are like, well, Gosh, if I could do this, that'd yeah. Be how great. about those without preferences? How <laughs> having those without preferences? Yeah, that, that's <laughs> another thing. Duncan and I went into big time. Uh, got a, such you a, know. What do you mean? You can't walk around without preferences. Everybody got preferences. <laughs> You're and, like uh, this guy is distinctly an asshole. Okay, <laughs> yeah. making. And then my mom would always say, "You you have to love everybody. You don't have to like their choices. Yeah, exactly. But you, to, that's you love everybody. wise mom." Yeah. Very wise mom. Yeah. Anyway, I heard, you know, when I heard that text, when I heard the text Rago, I was like, man, this is amazing. And I heard the music and I said, I was like, wow, I would love to make this more accessible to people. I would love for someone to be able to just listen to it once a day, you know, listen to it once a day, like I was doing. And because it challenged my entire reality and the, the way that I, my framework of reality, it's like, you know, if you listen to it and take and and really search for the real truth and find truth in it, it forces you to engage with life in a different way. Yeah. Different perspective. And that's like a lot of story. Yeah. And that's a lot of what Ram Dass has offered to us and continues. We continue to share his work is a a new perspective that isn't so much of the me, 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 a little bit about what can we do for others? Like that, the, one of the most penetrating things I think, and, and there's a lot of great things in that movie, Becoming Nobody, is when he says, you know, when is what you want enough? When is what you need enough? It's much more interesting to serve people, you know? And because once you start doing that, you're, you're, you're just erasing that at attachment to me the attachment to preferences you know so uh, it's it's quite a, a powerful point in in the film um but you know what we're talking about music here <laughs> that you we've got to we're now it's a long track so we're um i'm just uh, thinking we'll just play a few minutes of it so everybody can get the uh exactly the breath of what david's done here we go let's just play this for a few minutes The great way is not difficult 
for those who have no preferences. When love and hate are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. Make the smallest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. If you wish to see the truth, then hold no opinions for or against anything. To set up what you like against what you dislike is the disease of the mind. When the deep meaning of things is not understood, the mind's essential peace is disturbed to no avail. Well, that, uh, when I heard it, David, I was really, I mean, because I, I, I worked on this all the way back then, well, it's 50 years. I'm sorry, so that must have happened in, we put it out in 73, we worked on it in 72, that's it. Yeah. Um, I was just happy that it got that kind of treatment. It will allow people to absorb the words in a way mm -hmm. they might not have. And that to me, you know, music is everything to me as I know it is to you. And uh, so it just made me happy. And I, I thank you for putting that together. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And it's funny because I, it was a couple of years ago I had reached out and I was like, I have this vision. And we're like, okay, cool. Well, uh, well let's see how it goes. And, and then I remember I get a message from Mangala that's like, now is the time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. And then speaking of like service with it, because it's 17 minutes, right? It's a 17 yeah. minute. Yeah, yeah. It's not which, a uh, single. It's a <laughs> I know. She's like, we put it as one song. I'm like, it's, it's, I mean, technically it's three. So it's three separate pieces of music that I had composed for it. And um, I remember thinking, this is a lot. Uh, uh, like, this is going to be a lot, a lot of work. And I'm like, but yeah, but what else would I rather be doing, right? Like, and I remember my, the way I felt mm. listening to the text over, like I had, I had to listen to it like 300 times. Oh, really? So, yeah, because I was scoring it, you know what I mean? So like, I have it, like it's, I want it, and I want it to get, it's still not to a place where I can feel every part of it all the time. But you know, it's like, it, it makes me think of this Ram Dass story where this person mm. came to him and they were like, uh, had gone to all these different lineages and they go to him and he's like, she, or she was like, I'm a seeker. And he's like, you ever try being a finder? <laughs> and um, I just, I, with, with something like this and working on it and being of service, part of there's a part of me, like my spiritual ADHD that like wants to try this and I want to try some this and I want to try the oh some Gnostic wisdom oh let's go for the Sufis today and then <laughs> like oh like let's see what's over here and and I think it takes a lot of discipline of which I would say probably is my my personal kryptonite um, oh you're the only one on that <laughs> 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 for me, it's just rough. I'm like, how do I work on this over and over past the point of where it's hitting my novelty, the novelty yeah. factor, yeah. you know? So listening to this thing 300 times to get to where it's a finished 17 minute piece, it, it took me really deep into it. Oh, that's so great. Um, wow. And I do think that, I do think that even if you are a, it, you're you're just discovering that maybe reality isn't what everyone told you <laughs> it is. And you're like, maybe this podcast is the first thing you've ever heard somehow or another. And you're like the third book of what? And the great who? Mm -hmm. And you're like, and you're just like, just go on, just go online and just, just listen to it. It's music. It's, it's really low hanging fruit. 
for, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, it's like, don't go, you're, I'm not asking you to go meditate in silence for, for 45 minutes. Just listen to music for 17. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And see what happens. Well, see, actually, see. Lift, listen to the whole reimagining. Actually, the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, and I want to do. I uh, do want to give credit. Uh, we mentioned uh, Amani, Amani friend, and Liquid Bloom, and he did a great yeah. thing, and so did John Pattern, and uh, so we thank everybody. And this will be available. Uh, well, we're putting a couple of a couple of the songs out as singles to sort of build it up to mid-December when the album, you can pre-order it, go to Ramdas shop and you'll be able to pre-order it and uh, which will be great. And we're really happy that this happened. You know, and this, these kinds of things turn out for us. Like we have no idea. What, how did that come from? Where did that come from? You know, how do we meet up with people who are so simpatico with us in terms of sharing which is really what Ramdas is all about. He just wanted to share every. I mean, I, I've told this story a billion times. I'm going to tell it again because I don't think David ever heard it. But before mm. Ramdas left that year, I lived with him for some time, a uh, short time, in the summer uh, before he left. And one day, we're just sitting around, you know. I mean, I miss that sitting around, let me tell you, David. Um, I said, you know, Neem Karoli Baba told you not to talk about him when you went back to America. That's all you did. And it became Be Here Now. What's up? And he, I mean, <laughs> I was a bit jiving him, uh, knowing, you know, it was all perfect, of course. And so Neem Karoli Baba knew that. I mean, without no, not a knowing kind of way. And Heath Ramdas said, you know, I had a precious, precious jewel. I could do nothing but share that. I, it was no, I had no choice. I could only share that. I mean, no matter what. And that's what, that uh, is the legacy, really, of Love, Serve, Remember. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, that he would put himself out of, it's the, the moment I, out of the picture. The moment I first saw him and met him in Montreal when I was running this radio station, I was a program director of a rock and roll station way back when, and I, I said, yeah, you, I got to see this guy because they had sent me over. They want me to broadcast uh, some support promotion for what he was doing in Montreal at McGill University. And I went over to see him and, and we just connected, uh, you know, eye to eye. And it was just, there was no Richard Alpert and no Ramdas. We were just in this wonderful pool of molecular interconnection and all I felt was how how can you help me? You know, I mean, it was it was all about me, and but yeah. nobody nobody had paid that kind of attention. And you know how important that is, paying attention to somebody. I mean, it is paramount like the, generosity. I think it's the greatest gift that you can give anyone. Is yeah, that's your, what Simone Weil said, by the way. Do you know that writer, French writer? The greatest gift, because you just reminded me, the greatest gift you can give another person is complete attention, which is that generosity of spirit. And, mm -hmm. the, and he really emblemized that. And Did I ever, ever tell you my story the first time I met him? No, please. Oh, no. I don't know what our time's like. It's pretty funny. So I was, uh, it was 2009 or 10. It was at the very beginning of my music career. And it was the first time that I had actually flown over anywhere to play a concert. And that was in Maui at this small festival called Source Festival. Um, and it was on the kind of North Shore-ish uh, um, at Camp K&I. And 250 people or so, right? Anyway, everyone's really excited because Vishnu and uh, this woman, Stephanie Farago, um, has Stevie had got it. So Ramdas would come to give a talk, which was a big deal, right? Uh -huh. This was a small, like little hippie festival um, in, in Maui. So they, they wheel him in and it has been raining hard, like <laughs> hard, like Maui. Oh. Yeah, yeah, like rain, like tropical heart. 
And uh, he's in there. I had been up all night. And this was during the my much larger uh, psychedelic exploration phase. Um, so I had been up all night on acid. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I came in and I was just like beaming like i was beaming glowing i had re i'd moved back from india about a year and a half before that and my music was really starting to be received in a, in a good way and so i was just just really joyful at that time and um and definitely still in an elevated space and it was a really small gymnasium where we were so i'm like four, like five feet from him, like at, in, right in front of him. And there's like, you know, 50, 60, 80, I don't remember, people kind of behind me. And he's in and it's like thunderstorming and, and he's just sitting there just smiling, right? His biggest smile you've ever seen in your life. And I'm sitting there, match smile, like right in front of him. <laughs> and he's sitting there like, and there's no, no talking or anything. And, and his, his presentation starts and everyone quiets down. It's raining and thunder outside. And first thing he says is, um, in this moment, it's like a 30 second pause or so. And then he repeats really slowly. In this moment, and and I'm sitting there like, yeah, and everyone else behind me. So this goes on for like five minutes, like a or arguably uncomfortably long amount of time for many people. Right? Mm -hmm. It was just in this moment, like like with intensity and joy. And I remember sitting there listening. And looking at him and, and I was like, that's it. And everyone else behind me was like, in this moment, what? In this moment, what? Give me something. Tell me what I need to know. Tell me what I want to know. I want to know in this moment that what? Tell me about this moment. Describe this moment. Give me something. And I remember inside in my heart and I was like, that's the whole deal. That's the teaching. That's the end. That's the advanced course. That's, that's the whole, that this, this is it. And he gave a beautiful talk after that. But I remember there, cause it went on for so long that I was like, if I could just get back to that, not the description of that, not the reasons, oh, I did this and I did that. And I'm this, I've achieved that. I've all the blah, blah, blah descriptions of, of, of mind and I and if we could get back to in this moment in this moment that's raining in this moment I'm smiling in this moment you're listening none of that just this moment and I remember it changed my life kind of forever and I was like mm. that's my dude mm. in, in this moment period end of talk <laughs> yeah just it's it's amazing how all this stuff works you know for each individual yeah. you know it's just, uh, it's extraordinary because what you're saying, I've said, you know, and uh, the reality of us in the West wanting the kind of textbook instructional on how to, uh, 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 I mean, achieve enlightenment. We have no idea, you know, and I always say, Wait a minute, go there. How about just starting? How do we become a little bit more caring, kind, and compassionate? That that would be extremely enlightening. <laughs> that would be a great start. Yeah. You know, so yeah, if we could just take that as a great first step, just yeah. be a little bit nicer and more loving and more caring and more listening and compassionate and understanding and yeah, which Ramdas had all those attributes. I mean, he was not an enlightened being. He never said he was a guru. He's certainly a teacher. And but those particular attributes really uh, resound 
with many, many people. They're honest. He was not bullshitting himself or anybody else. And whenever he did, he'd call himself on it. He used to say, you know, when I get these dark thoughts, you know what the first thing I do is? I go, how did I get here? <laughs> and yeah, they happen. I, you know? And I love them. I, he used to say, I love them to death, you know, which is tantamount to some of the Tibetan practices that our Lama Tsultrim, who just, we just did a retreat with a couple of months ago, she wrote this. By the way, this is a phenomenal book for people, uh, which is um, Befriending the Demons. That's not what it's called, but uh, Lama Tsultrim, T-S-U-L-T-R-I-M, Alioni, A-L-L-I-O-N-E. And I only do that in the middle of all this if I, I, I'm serious that this has been such a helpful practice because what it does, it allows you to relate with the darkness and the, and the compulsions and the addictions and the things that we absolutely excoriate ourselves about. We judge every damn little thing and this allows us to bring them in as family you know mm. yeah i mean even in that great in the great way it says you know accepting some of those things is actually identical with true enlightenment is what it says mm. you know or, um they are you know those things are parts of ourself you know I hear so many people that say like, oh, including myself in the past, it says like, I'm going to kill fear. I'm going to get rid of fear. I'm going to conquer fear. Yeah. And I went- Or push it away, which is- Push it away. The other side of the coin. My friend, Kristen Ulmer, she, you know, I was doing some work around fear with her. She's like, well, what is fear's job? I was like, well, fear's job is to keep me safe. Right, like that. It, fear is mm-hmm. trying to keep me safe. She's like, okay, so how do you think it feels if the part of you trying to keep you safe is you're trying to get rid of it because it makes you feel uncomfortable? He's like, she was like, I was like, ooh, probably not good. I probably should accept and allow my dark thoughts, accept and allow my fears to just come. Like Ramdas said, come for tea, but you're just not yeah, welcome exactly to that. So yeah, exactly long. that. Yeah. Just, Come and go away. Yeah, I remember, gee, when he first came back from India and I, you know, that first talk that they sent over the radio station I listened to had had that in it. That, boy, that felt great. Yeah, I don't have to push that away or be scared of it, whatever the thought is or the emotion. And and, uh, the book, by the way, of Lama Tsultrim is called Feeding the Demons. And that's the T. Come on in, have a cup of tea. We're going to just hang for a minute, but then you might have to go. Then you got to go. <laughs> so, well, it's so. like, a, it's an interesting time. You know, I, um, a, a close friend of mine decided to leave his body last week. Oh and, my, and he was one of the most joyful, loving guys I had ever met. And, you know, when I think about, the, our, our mental health, actually, especially post COVID and not having, I think a lot of people just kind of brushing it under the rug that this incredibly traumatic thing just happened to the planet and that our, our demons don't just go away or, you know, mm-hmm. our trauma doesn't just go away if you just ignore it. And that's like, you know, to address what you were saying, it's like accepting and allowing doesn't mean spiritual bypassing and it doesn't mean brushing it under the rug. Yeah. It means like, where is this, where are some of my dark thoughts coming from and sitting in an uncomfortable place and saying, and also reaching out to help for for when other people are having a hard time, which I've had myself where, you know, when I get in my dark thoughts take over and there's, I get into an existential crises, you know, once every six to eight weeks at this point where I'm like (laughs) experiencing the Mm -hmm. suffering of our world and experiencing the challenges and adversity and like the lack of clean water and hunger and the overwhelming things that like, they can go back to actually finding like some of these, these texts and teachers and finding love and compassion and then, and also that like that what 
what we're talking about here and like the dark thoughts and all of these things are like this very normal part of being a human being mm. and that there are tools and, and resources and texts and teachers and people that are there to support, um, support each other when they, yeah. when they're going through those challenging times. I think, you know, who John Kabat-Zinn is mm-hmm. one of the develop, one of the leading voices around mindfulness. I just saw something that was so great. He said, one thing when this kind of stuff that we're talking about takes one over, you know, all the way to trauma or to just day-to-day random dark bullshit that happens to us, we just fall into. He said, silence. Just be silent for a moment and that will lead you to presence. And from that presence, your perspective will move out of the attachment in, in, into all of and the judgment for whatever the dark stuff is. Just and so it's a good tip, eh? Right. Just be si- just stop for a moment, close your eyes, and just hang for a second. And if you want to go a little more further, Ramdas's thing of loving awareness. Just repeat, I, loving awareness. I am loving awareness and breathe into the center of your chest, the spiritual heart. Move out of this judging me, me, which is why we did the movie of me to the movie of we has all this kind of uh, prescriptions for, for moving. Um, and, and it really is effective. You know, Ron I'm loving fun. awareness. That, is, that one really... You know, and it's interesting, you think about that phrase too. I was really introduced to that through um, East Forest's version yeah, of that. Yeah, He's yeah, did. You know, and that actually, that's been a mantra for me. Um, mm. Really challenging times. And it's funny, it was delivered through music in a way, yeah, right? Like, yeah. It was like made accessible through that, like through that piece. Now I am loving awareness and such a simple such a simple thing yeah yeah so effective yeah well listen all you guys you know the guys that are on Amani and John Pattern on this record and yourself what East Forest has done I mean there's been so many people who've come to the table Uh, um, I I must give uh, credit to uh, our friend at Glitch Mob um, Justin and uh, he was the first one to pick it up and and give us all of the ammunition to go, wow, we should talk to some more people. But what you guys are doing is absolutely connecting people through music to to these perspectives from Ram Dass and others, you know, and other teachers yeah. that we represent or that we've been friendly with for so long. So, yeah. They're timeless. They're timeless. Yeah. Like, right, like we're talking, the text that I worked on is from the year like 550 AD. So you're like, you're like, okay, still works, totally plays, you know, more difficult. I was, you know, I was in um, Northern India last year. I got to work with His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. Oh, wait, tell me about that. You never mentioned that ever. Well, we only talked once before. Yeah, I got an opportunity to go work. Uh, my friend Katie Seeger took a group of us to work with uh, Jimpa, who is uh, His Holiness's translator. Yeah, I know, uh, yeah. And so Jimpa has been working on try, uh, the Compassion Institute. Yeah. Which is um, helping, whether it's like police academies or anyone, everyone could use more compassion training to understand what compassion is, because I don't think we actually have, we think compassion is empathy, yeah, but that's yeah, not what it yeah. is. It's right. So we don't really have a, a framework when someone's like, be more compassionate. You're like, okay, be more empathetic. You're like, that's not what compassion is actually, you know, compassion is empathy plus action. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's a different, so we were working with Jimpa to help understand what is compassion mm-hmm. and how do we bring the compassion Institute into other, um, uh, organizational structures from, from businesses to, you know, kind of like a four day think feel yeah. experience when we went up there and, and I got a chance. Dharamsala, right? Dharamsala. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, while we were there, you know, we were spending a lot of time with, uh, several different Rinpoche's and getting like some really 
really unique, intimate quality time with, um, with some of these just unbelievably brilliant monks, mm. um, including Jimpa, who is like, you know, he's just incredible. Yeah. Anyway, I, while I was there, I, I was like, Hey, uh, Rinpoche, I have a question. I'm having a bit of a hard time with this one. I'm feeling very torn because I don't know if it's actually possible to achieve enlightenment and not be a monk. Like, is it actually, is it of all of my studying, I understand I shouldn't be attached to the idea of the enlightenment. I shouldn't be striving towards it. I understand I should be learning how to become more compassionate. And I understand some of these frameworks that make me a, a more loving human, loving to nature, loving to everyone. I understand I have anger. I understand I have jealousy, but like I'm trying, right? And I'm, I'm efforting through all these ways, but I'm feeling like it's, is it even possible at all? Like, just give me anything. Like, like, is it possible? And I remember him saying, yes, it's just much harder. <laughs> I was like, oh God. Because it's really this hard. Is Jinpa though. saying this to you? No, this is one of the Rinpoche's. Oh, one of the other lamas. Yeah. One of the other, yeah, one of the other. Um, I'm blanking out on which one said it. Because I was, I was like, well, should I become a monk? Like, or can I like make music and make art and travel and go to restaurants? Like, is it possible for me to to um actually mitigate my desire and um, the suffering in the world that I experience if I'm still pursuant of the things that many people pursue in life that are enjoyable and pleasurable. You know, it's pleasurable to go to a nice restaurant. It's pleasurable to go to a great concert. It's pleasurable to go visit Hawaii. Um, but those things cost money. Well, if I need to earn money, I have to do things that sometimes create imbalance and suffering. So how can I, how can one operate from the Uncle Henry position of like, I'm going to treat, I'm going to treat everyone like family. I'm going to yeah. be, yeah. Oh, I'm going to try to give, even though it doesn't feel like I should right now. I'm going to try to understand, even though I think you are an asshole, you know, <laughs> like I am going to like, can I get there? And I remember them just saying like, yes, but it's going to be tough. So like, we'll just. Give you smart tools. Right. Yeah. And did you meet his holiness? Yeah. Tell me yeah. about that. Um, he's, you know, I had <clears throat> a fascinating experience meeting him. Um, leading up to the meeting with him, I think it was important for me to understand who he is as a person and the context of our meeting the context of meeting his holiness now as a global political figure versus meeting his the a previous version where you're meeting his relationship to the world is different now right and so i there was uh the part of me that met him when he walked into the room and i was just like i cry smiled <laughs> i cried smiled and was like wow that's a different experience of a different being. Mm -hmm. And then we got to ask him five questions. And I think the, my, in my heart of hearts, my first in, initial reaction was that I don't, um, I don't even know if you're allowed to answer the questions we're asking because like you saw what happened to the whole controversy thing around oh, him. That, yeah afterwards and i was just like this is so ridiculous like this is like you're like like come like people and the culture and the climate of our world are just looking to hate on on anyone on for anything and mm -hmm. anything that's just bringing a little bit of more light and love and look everyone has their challenges and faults i'm sure he's not immune to those either maybe maybe he is but i um i I remember thinking in, in our group with him, my mind is, it was, it, it brought me back to my Rondas thing in this moment. He would say something like along the lines of, 
we're all brought, like we're all brothers and sisters and things like that. And my mind wanted more. I was like, give me the answers. People are, you know, one of the questions was, our children are feeling depressed and not considering having children of their own these days. What would you advise we tell them mm. to be like, to be inspired about this world? Kind of what repeat, well, we're all brothers and sisters. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of a non-answer answer. But like, uh, but I, and I remember unpacking because it was, it was such an emotional experience to be present there, but my mind was unsatisfied. Mm. And I started thinking, why is my mind unsatisfied? What about me is unsatisfied in this? And I remember thinking, uh, there's this great Aldous, Aldous Huxley quote that's uh, familiarity breeds indifference. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think back to a time where I, I didn't have access to texts. I didn't have uh, like ancient texts. I didn't have access to the yoga sutras, to mm-hmm. the entire list of every asana that was sacred knowledge for yogis for many years. You know, you had to sit at the foot of the master to learn one asana to make sure that you were ready to receive more information because it wasn't just like, here's all the information and I'm going to expect you're like, you're running human operating system version one to, to be able to comprehend the fundamental reality matrix that you like, <laughs> it's not possible, but that's not where we're at now. Right. You can just download any book on anything. And, and I've heard we're all brothers and sisters a million times. Yeah. I mean, this to there, I think there was a part of me that was indifferent to that because I was like, I already heard that, but I, but is that how I act? Absolutely not. You know, I don't act like the people that are my enemies are my brothers and sisters. You know, I feel very angry at them. Um, Well, this sort of goes back to the experience you described being with Ramdas, where he just, this moment this moment and everybody behind you going, okay, wait, well, give me something. What the fuck moment? <laughs> okay. But then it also made me think of what the exact same thing that you went through in this description of being with the Dalai Lama happened to Ramdas with Neem Karoli Baba when he said, okay, you know, he had all these Buddha's friends, they were getting secret mantras to take them into, you know, deep absorbed tantric spaces and so on. You know, he wanted the esoteric teaching. So he said to Neem Karoli Baba, "Um, can you give me, I don't know if he said a mantra to get enlightened or method, I don't know. But Maharaji, who we called Neem Karoli Baba, said, uh, Feed everyone. <laughs> Ramdas is like in his head did the same thing that you were doing. It probably a lot more acerbic. Going okay, this is penny ante bullshit. <laughs> what? Feed everybody. Feed everyone. Need a method. What the? <laughs> so, so he was dumb enough, Ramdas, to actually do it again. <clears throat> he said, "Well." How can I raise my kundalini? He thought he'd ask it in a different, more classical way or something. And Maharaji said, oh, love everyone. <laughs> and, and he then knew he was defeated and he knew and he saw his mind and his <laughs> grasping and the whole nine yards of it. And uh, fortunately, especially after his stroke, all of that stuff kind of dropped away i mean it was dropping away for many years and decades and he was who he became to be he became what he was pointing to in maui mm-hmm. after and uh, he got sick and almost died in 2004 after he had been in india and at that point um he completely started to um absorbed the reality of what Maharaji told him the 50 plus years before. Mm. Love everyone and feed everybody. And he really did get 
to a place that, um, I mean, you know, we who were with him a lot and knew him from all those years ago saw the reality from which he, his vantage changed. You know, he absolutely, every individual that came anywhere near him, he gave full attention to and just absolutely created a, a pool of uh, unconditional love. He really did that. Why do, you, why do you think that, I mean, I guess on the one hand, I'd be curious, like why you think that that happened to him in particular. And I wonder if there is some correlation with like, it's like how many people know things are good for them, but they are not able to do them. You know, um, for someone who is such a brilliant speaker, to lose, like, that. you know, to to lose that, and you know what? I think I mean when I would listen to him, sometimes he'd be like, ironically, I'm I'm supposed to not be talking about this at all. Basically, <laughs> you know, those who those who talk. Uh, don't know because those yeah. who know don't talk kind yeah, of that yeah. kind of thing yeah, yeah. or the first passage of the Tao mm. uh, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao the name that can be named is not the eternal name all of that you know and he's like but here I'm going to try my best to uh, point at the moon for you yeah uh, but uh, but I'm what, curious yeah, yeah, what, what he, happened the stroke you mean basically yeah, with, yeah you know he for a while there he was like uh, the movie Fierce Grace so he, he termed this event Fierce Grace, and he said Guru had given him the stroke in order for him to transform. So he actually was, this was just before he moved to Maui. And when he went to India, there's a woman saint who was our Indian mother who named Siddhima, who only mm -hmm. left five years ago. And uh, she had heard that he said that. She said, Ramdas, Maharaji, Nikaroli, well, Maharaji, you wouldn't call him that. He's not giving you a stroke. There's no way. It was nature. And honestly, Ramdas let himself go for a few years. And you can see it when you see the video. I just watched one yesterday and, and, uh, and I saw, you know, he was, he allowed himself to not take care of himself. You know, he had high blood pressure, et cetera, et cetera. And he didn't attend to it. So she was saying, it's nature. What Maharaji gave you was an ability to have a, per she didn't say it in such complex, not really complex, but in terms like that. She said, Maharaji gave you the ability to transcend the stroke, transform yourself. And that's what it's about. He, he didn't give you this. The, nobody giving you a stroke. This was nature, you know, his karma. So <laughs> I used to say to, or say or think, uh, I mean, if I had one-tenth of the resilience and the ability to not be grasping at what I was before and for him losing the city of, the, of him being the kind of speaker, raconteur, comedian, wise person all wrapped up in one gone i mean eventually of course he he still even though he could not uh execute by language many of the thoughts that he had he was able to put them in short burst like mm -hmm. i am loving awareness and that practice has been such an important thing for many many people you know mm -hmm. that we've uh, introduced it to and he introduced it to so yeah, there's no understanding uh, how he could handle. I mean, I knew how much pain he was in a lot of the time. Mm. And it was extraordinary. And then I'd call him just to say hi. You know, we, we spoke all the time because I had so much business to do with him. And uh, how are you? Oh, great. Everything's just wonderful. I said, I know you're lying because <laughs> I speak to your caretakers. And he said, oh, yeah, well, I got, and then he'd list the litany. I said, okay, to TMI, I can't handle it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was extraordinary that he was able to, to really um, not be stuck in his body in the way that he was, you know, any kind of self-pity or any of that, never. The biggest issue he had was it was hard for him to ask for help. 
He said, I wrote books. How can I help? I wrote a book. How can I help? Now, how can you help me is my next book, you know? And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's so that one was always the hardest things, I think, though. And, you know, it's, I, I definitely know that the further I have gone down um, my, my path as someone who shares wisdom, um, that it has felt sometimes that it can be more difficult to ask for help. You know, which I think you see, that's why you often see like, like people, you're like, how did that, how did Robin Williams? You're like, or like, I'm like, what? Like, yeah. or like yeah. someone like that. I'm like, how did that not, how did that person not ask for help? You know? And like, how do we create this? It's, I mean, Ram Dass talks about it all the time. Like the, the, the mental construction of who we think we are. Mm -hmm. Um, and that could be, I am a teacher and I am respected yeah. and I, people go to me for knowledge and, yeah. and then, and we sometimes it's we called forget. the golden chain of righteousness. It's the most yeah. difficult thing to transform. Ram Dass used to say actually. Yeah. No. Yeah. Tough stuff. Tough stuff. <laughs> As they said, it's tough stuff. Yeah. You, you no one said this was going to be easy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the transformation of, uh, of, the, of the me is, is very, very uh, engaging work, shall we say? Yeah. And if you're, you know, it takes mostly people to get really unhappy with their circumstances or the way they think or the constant uh, grasping, you know, and the preferences. <laughs> You know, that's so great you did that thing. Everybody, we're, I just got to say, okay, again, this thing is coming out. It's Love, Serve, Remember, Reimagined. It's a two-sided, imagine that. It's a piece of vinyl, which is so popular these days. And I know, David, you collect them. So that's another yeah. whole podcast that we got to do is, why don't we do a podcast where you can play some of the different things that you've collected over the years? Wouldn't that be a good oh, yeah. podcast well, here, to do? I'll just, walk, I'll just walk you over to this guy just before, you know, as we're getting towards the end. This is, I'm in the kitchen here. Yeah. yeah. But this is a, uh, that's oh the, my God, that is so cool. One of my oh. babies here. That's uh, 1904. That is from really, the yeah, wow. that is uh, uh, the Victor. Uh, five, I think it is. And it's uh, one of the first uh, music blind wow. devices oh. ever made. And, but you have a, a bunch of old vinyl too, don't they're, you? Uh, it's pre-vinyl. They're actually, they're 78s. Oh, they're 78s. They're 78s. Right. Yeah, they're the wow. first, for those people who don't know, they were invented in 1895 and they stopped making them in 1955. And I have 13,000 of them. Holy shit. Yeah, and they're um, from everywhere in the world, from like the you know original blues, original. Oh I mean, any music that was made around the world, I have a little bit like, and there's some pretty obscure records in there. Mm. Okay, I, I want to do I'd this. I run into the be a Beatle. There's the Beatles yeah. had one record printed in India, but it, oh, really? Yeah, but they're like seven thousand dollars a record. Oh. <laughs> I was like, maybe I'll find one in my treasure chest. But yeah, really. No, not yet. It'll happen. It'll happen. But I'm serious. Yeah, we'll I want to do this. Old music, David. And we got to do a. Music. We got to do a podcast. And you, well, yeah, because we, we, we could do a, play uh, different. I mean, they're probably not. We don't have to worry about copyright. They're all public domain at this point. I, you know, it's funny to say that I thought that, but, but man, record companies, uh, they oh, really? do not, they are relentless. <laughs> they are yeah, relentless. They are. Cause I yeah, mean, man, are. I have some, I have some RCA records from like 1940s and I put them on YouTube. I launched this thing called the, the time machine mm -hmm. because I was like, man, you know, you listen to these records. It's so transporting. It's amazing mm -hmm. what it can do. And, mm -hmm. uh, you got done. And then they took him down. And I was yeah, like, right. what? How did you, this is so obscure. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> not, apparently not obscure enough. Yeah, really. Oh, we'll, uh, we'll go into yeah, it. We'll, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Well, it's so great to have you here, Dave. Yeah, I'm thank really you. Happy, you know, it allows us to get to know, know each other a little bit. Well, that's why these podcasts are so great, you know, for oh, yeah, definitely. And, and getting closer to people and 
who they are and what they do. So the uh, the Reimagine Love Server member will be uh, just join ramdas.org a newsletter and you will get uh, information on the different things that we're doing, including this wonderful reimagined LP. It's actually our first vinyl that we've ever put out through Solan Music. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for your contribution there. So, um, yeah, everybody. Also, uh, of course, that uh, Feeding the Demons book, Lama Tsultrim, our guys are going to put it in the show notes. So, you know, that is a worthy... Uh, book in terms of helping people really to not run away from all of the horrors that we are experiencing these days, inner and outer. And another, you know, and Duncan Trussell and my audiobook, The Movie of Me. So The Movie of Me to The Movie of We. Just go to Movie of We. Mo- no, I'm sorry. Movie of Me. We start out with movieofme.com and then we figure out how to get to the we. And, and it's all uh, uh, available on Audible and iTunes and all that. So, thanks again, David. Oh, my pleasure. Look forward. We got there's more to unfold. Yeah, and I hope yeah. everybody. Um, I hope you enjoy the piece of music, the the great way. Yeah, and um, I would say it's nice to go go look up the words for it so you can absorb it in different ways and mm. well and, it'll be in the album you'll have it oh right yeah there. it's in the album so when you go and get the actual album you can have all the words right and i would just say you know for people who are listeners for the first time and who for the 500th time um that there you there's you will discover something new and how it applies to your life every single time mm. yeah Listen. It. It's uh, absolutely, so. yeah. That's why Ramdas was. It was so. God, through all the years, he always went back to it. <laughs> so there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. So you're simpatico there. That's for sure. <laughs> all right, everyone. This is mind rolling. Go to beherenownetwork.com, and of course, you see the show notes and everything that David is doing, and linking up some uh, other music that David has done through Gone Gone Beyond and Human Experience. And we shall see you next week. Bye-bye, David. Bye, guys. Bye.